random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Alyssa Wong, the writer of the new Deadpool number one, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And joining us on the other end of the tin cannon string, we are joined with a writer from Marvel Comics, the House of Ideas. We are joined with Alyssa Wong. Alyssa Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us about this. This is great. Some new stuff, new blood, if you will. and uh, Especially and- Deadpool. I mean, there's a lot of blood involved, usually. <laughs> True that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty bloody this time. <laughs> it is insane. First off, congratulations on the new number one. As a big Deadpool fan, I was wondering when the character would make his return, and... Glad to see it's you on board for this. Oh, thank you so much. So kind. Um, yeah, I was. I was very. I was honored when they were like, "Do you want to? Do you want to do Deadpool?" I was like, "Absolutely, I do." So, I mean, I'm very excited. The book is beautiful. Martin Cucolo's art is gorgeous. Naraj Menon's colors are beautiful. Um, so yeah, it's just a, it's just a joy to get to write it. Well, you know, it's too. It's great for it being dated January of 2023, so it's a great start for the comic book new year. And that was really leading into the question then, Alyssa, was how did it get presented to you other than, hey, do you want to do Deadpool? <laughs> well, uh, funny you should ask. I um, I actually met, so I met Jerry Dugan um, at a free comic book day. Um, super nice. He was like, hey, I like your stuff. Have you ever wanted to write something for the X office. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be rad. Uh, I would love to someday. And he was like, cool, and sort of vanished. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and uh, a little bit after that, um, Jordan White, um, the editor, uh, emailed me and was like, hey, let's, let's get a, like, basically let's have Zoom coffee, right? Um, so we got to talking, and he was like, are there any characters that you'd really like to write? Um, and uh, Deadpool just kind of came up naturally, and I had a bunch of questions about Deadpool and his body and, like, what you could do with, like, weird body stuff, because that's something that I always find really compelling as a writer. I'm like, what are some... The human body's a strange and fascinating system. So what are some weird, interesting, exciting ways to pull body horror out of things? Um, I think... Uh, so I had all these questions for Jordan. I was like, so, okay, Deadpool, body horror. Do you think you could, do you think you could use Deadpool as an organ farm? And he was like, hey, what? <laughs> I was like, like, if you, if you took Deadpool's kidneys out, like, he'd grow another kidney, right? So, like, if you just keep, kept took, taking them out, then you would just have infinite kidneys, right? And he was like, uh... I was like, could you potentially grow something else in Deadpool? Could you grow another person in Deadpool? And um, 
I didn't realize it, but um, Jordan was like, that's a good question. You should, uh, you should write this up in a doc and then send it to me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And it didn't occur to me at the time. I was like, oh, you, that was you being like, I want you to write this. Mm. I just, I just had all these questions and I was like, this is so exciting. It'd be really cool if I got to write this for Deadpool someday and didn't realize that that's exactly what it was <laughs> until about two or three more iterations of that pitch doc. <laughs> and it's funny because this version of the character, you know, we see so many different interpretations of the character. And the one thing, the one constant with the character is there's like a tragic melodrama to the character. Like you, you mentioned Jerry Dugan. And by the way, seeing Jerry in person multiple times myself. Yeah. I totally understand what it's like meeting him of, well, see you later. Like a lot of that. I get that 100%. So, but Jerry's especially, you know, is notoriously, you know, or is, is notoriously famous for the, the good, the bad and the ugly storyline. And it's a heartbreaker. So one of the things I always ask with Deadpool writers is how are you going to make me sad? Ooh, that's <laughs> such a good question. Cause I feel like that's to me, that's what any story every story needs and that's what makes any story successful um is having that really intense very real emotional core um i think plus the bigger and zanier you get with a character i think the more important it is to have them be really grounded in emotionally and and have those things that feel very real um i think uh i love sadness i love melancholy um Possibly as much, if not more, than I love romance, and I love both of them. Uh, I think heartbreak is an exciting, um, it's an exciting emotion to bring into any story. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think that, for me, this story is about, this story is about Deadpool falling in love. Um, it's about um, how scary it is to be vulnerable with other people. Um and I feel like when you have feelings for someone, um, you know, it's, it's easy to play it off as like, you know, for laughs. But I think that if they reciprocate or you realize how serious it is, um, it's easy for all of your self-doubt to sort of rise. And, um, you know, I think, I think with Deadpool, he's a guy who talks a lot. He's a smart aleck. Um, and if you're always cracking jokes and being annoying on purpose, I always want to know why. Um, and I think with Deadpool, if you're constantly cracking jokes and you're like that annoying guy and everyone's like, oh, I'm so tired of, I'm so tired of you, um, and you're just drowning everybody else out with your words, is it because you want to push people away because it's hard to be vulnerable? So those are some questions that I'm really interested in exploring in Deadpool. And with this as well, you know, I follow you on social media over on Twitter. And one of the things with this story that I really got a kick out of was you ended up throwing up a Spotify playlist, The Pool Party. And I love, (laughs) absolutely love when I see different creators do like a playlist for the soundtrack. Like you look at David Aha's uh, Hawkeye run and there's all the different songs you hear and you think, oh, yeah, that would work in this scene. How much of, you know, the story so far, the arc do you have, like, mapped out, like, playlist-wise? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I would say, for me, this playlist is 
is all vibes. I think that it's um, it's a really good playlist for this specific arc. Um, and also, the challenge when you're writing a new character, at least for me, is always like, who is this person? And also, who is my version of this person? Um, and sometimes, uh, having a soundtrack can really help you dial into that voice. Um, so I would say, rather than specific scenes, I would say there are more a lot more character songs. Um, when I'm digging into voice, when I'm digging into how people feel about each other and about themselves, that's what I, I always look for that. Um, I will say uh, there are at least one, if not more, songs in that playlist that directly correlate to specific characters and specific ways that they look at other people. So... That could be a fun thing to look for if you want to listen to it again. I will say some stuff got ad- got it ad- or gotten added into my Spotify playlist as well as a result of your playlist. So, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. Um, I I think it's 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 a really fun playlist. And uh, when I'm getting ready to write another issue of Deadpool, I I put it on to sort of get in the right mindset. So. If I yeah, may, I'm glad you like it. If I may make a request for the future one, please put in even more Panic at the Disco. I'm a big Panic fan, so just the new album slaps too. Just you know, a little aside. It does. I love it. I love it. I was worried I had too much Panic at the Disco. No, we're good. There, I think I have like three songs. So good. And the funniest, I saw them at uh, I saw Panic at Barclays back in 2019 or 2018, and one of the best concerts I've ever been to. So good choice. <gasps> oh. So good. So good. Now, does that um, mean you yourself did go see Panda at the Disco also, or no? I So, funny, funnily enough, I have not seen very many bands live, but one of, like, the three groups I've seen live was Panic at the Disco, and it was, like, the night before I flew to New York for New York Comic Con. So, like, my brain was just on fire for that whole week. Was that the one at, uh, was that at Barclays as well? No, that was actually, um... It was Raleigh, North Carolina. Never mind, because my girlfriend went to the one I think at the uh, Barclays or the Garden. I want to say it's Barclays. So, oh, yeah, I'm, je- I'm jealous of her for that one because it's, it's the new tour, and I'm like, oh man. So oh, good. he's so good live. Don't let the lights go out is such a great song. Anyway, it's not a Panic at the Disco podcast. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, I we talk I about music, Eddie. Come I know. On. I know. Come on. Do. Oh, come on now. It's in my background, so it's fine. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> no, the background is the name of your radio station you work at, Eddie. Wow. Anyway. Bad stuff. But in regards to some of the stuff you've done at Marvel as well, you do some stuff over at Star Wars. Literally, it's just it's one location. It's called Star Wars. You know, you go over there and it's like I'd like a Wookiee. But no. Um <laughs> But in regards to Star Wars, you're doing stuff with Dr. Afra, and Dr. Afra is a character that hasn't made an appearance on screen or in the you know, in the movies, video games, whatnot. But the character's been, you know, so far in the realm of comics, but slowly I've heard rumor and innuendo the character might show up one day. But what is it like knowing that stuff you've written with that character could possibly be referenced down the line in these other kind of properties? Oh, it is crazy. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't, it low-key doesn't even occur to me because it seems so far-fetched. I'm like, yeah, other stuff that other people have written might be referenced someday, but like the idea that something that I wrote might end up referenced is crazy. Um, I think it, it's very exciting. Um, 
is I feel like I'm out here writing my, my weird little stories and, um, you know, just trying to make people, including myself, happy, um, you know, and just seeing, like, how far I can push things. Like, and, you know, I, I, I mentioned romance with Deadpool, but um, something that draws me to Afro that actually Deadpool shares is a sort of, like, ambient romantic disaster energy. Um, and with Afra, it's, that book is, is so deeply queer, you know, like she's a lesbian, um, pretty much all of the supporting cast is queer. Um, we have like, it, it feels, it feels very special to me also as a queer creator, um, to get to, to get to play in that sandbox and be like, I feel like we're always looking for reflections of ourselves um, in the stories that we read and, and watch. Um, and it's like walking past the department store and then like just barely seeing a flash of yourself out of the corner of your eye in the window. Um, and I want to be able to give that to people. Um, and I want them to be able to, I want it to be more than just a flash and be like, oh, there it is and now it's gone. I want them to be able to look in the window or look in the mirror and be like, that's me and I'm here. Um, so, I mean, the idea, that's the work that's really important to me. Um, and I think the idea that maybe someday something that I wrote might be interesting or mean enough to somebody to make it into a different medium is very exciting. Um, I think that for me though, I just want to make people happy and if it happens in film and it influences someone in film, that's, that's fantastic. Um, but ultimately, even if it never happens, the fact that I get to do it in the first place is just so it's just amazing. You know? Years ago, I got to interview Mark Wade, and one of the questions that I asked him, and I'm going to ask you as well, is what is it like realizing the character decisions you do? Because these take place around the time of uh, in between episode three and episode four, around that time. Or no, uh around like the uh, original trilogy. What is it like knowing mm -hmm. your decisions for these characters technically have like a domino effect towards what happens in the sequel trilogy and Return of the Jedi and just everything in between? I mean, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it is pretty crazy. Um, and because, um, like, because the Dr. Aphra comic um, is running at the same time as all of the other Marvel Star Wars comics, uh, you know, Vader... Star Wars, Bounty Hunters, and then also whatever the event book is, which currently I believe is Hidden Empire. Um, you know, we're all, we talk all the time. We're always in meetings together, and we're all sort of like building story together. So, yeah, in a very, in a very real sense, like, it is that sense that, like, the stuff that we write does directly, I guess, retroactively impact what happens in Star Wars. Um, but also the way that it's sort of like we get to we get to impact the we get to impact the stuff that also actually impacts what you see on the screen, right? So like Afra's involvement with like Vader's storyline, right? It feeds into who Vader becomes in in the film. Like I don't know, it it feels really cool and like kind of surreal, honestly. <laughs> This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free, 
$5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. I can only imagine uh, being in that, you know, and having watched all the films, just being a part of, of that, you know, attached to that. So pinch me, am I dreaming? Right, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. But going back to uh, um, to this Deadpool issue, a uh, couple things. I know you said earlier about writing for Deadpool. How far ahead? I know we this issue just came out about a week ago on what November 9th, I think it was. Uh, how far ahead are you in in the writing? Not to give anything away, but just that part of it. Oh man, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I can tell you, but I, I think it's probably okay. Um, I'm working on number five right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm full steam ahead, writing as fast as I can. Um, I'm having a I'm having a blast. It's been great. Well, I'm sure, like with writing, I can again only only think of how the process might be that you get on a tear, so to speak, and you write X amount, and no pun intended, and then there's a downtime and a, like a rethink, and then you know, then of course all the editing and it comes down to the deadline. But it sounds like you're at a good mm-hmm. pace uh, as far as like you said up to number five. So that's that's good. You're in you're in good shape. It sounds like, um, what yeah. What I see with this this issue is we're introduced. Maybe if you didn't know about this character before, and I only know about her from one other instance, is the harrower, which I think is a great choice. The the type of characteristics that she is exhibits and so on, um, because I knew harrower only one other place, and I don't know if it's there's more to her than that. But I think there was a series of three one-shots involving Man-Thing, the X-Men, and Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Steve Orlando. There you go. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's, I was like, she's Steve's kid. Um, that's, that's where I know her from, too, is uh, the Curse of the Man-Thing. Um, I love the harrower. Um, she's got, like, she's got weird science, biology stuff. She's got, like, weird magic stuff, and it's all knitted together in her, like, spellification power. Um, the power of biofission and biofusion to pull things apart, to splice, splice them back together into weird stuff. And I was like, if I want to body horror, like, absolutely, like, how about this great character who can just open things up and build new things together with bodies? Like, that's great. Um, she's she's fantastic. Uh, she's got such a great design too, and I'm always a sucker for big hair. Um, so <laughs> I think she's got a really interesting and fun uh, like bantery dynamic with Deadpool too. Um, and it's nice to see him. You know, I love I love the like class clown straight man dynamic, but I also love you know sort of the hero villain banter bus kind of thing um, with somebody who can hold their own against Deadpool. That's always exciting to me. And, you know, Deadpool is a character who continually changes comedically due to the pop culture landscape. 
So I want to know, <laughs> like, what is a new element that you want to bring into the character with that? Oh, geez. Um, let me see. Uh, that's such a that's such a tough question because, like you said, um, pop culture always changes. Um, <laughs> I was going to say this is old stuff, but I, I don't know that it's pretty old. Um, there's a comedy maybe reference. Um, there actually uh, there are going to be a lot of there might be some anime references uh, in Deadpool coming up, and um, maybe some references to a certain book that was very popular in the early mid 2000s. But again, that's I, that's technically all very old stuff. Um, I think that you know Deadpool's sense of humor changes uh, based on who's writing him. So unfortunately for you and everybody else, you're stuck with my stupid jokes. <laughs> Oh, don't worry about that. You're in great company because we, we do stupid puns, jokes, music crossovers, dad joke type stuff, so we're there. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so glad. Um, the thing that you may have a short answer to on this, which would mean I had nothing to do with it, Eddie, is the cover. And apparently from what Peter intimated before we started recording was there more than one Deadpool number one covers. I think this is just the mainstream mm -hmm. one with uh, with him basking on a what appears to be a watermelon float. And him saying, literal enough for you, with a lot of uh, uh, deceased male bodies. Um, <laughs> what's the story behind, you know, putting together and choosing what to do, you know, with the concept for the cover? Oh, that's a good question. Um, we always have a, so, uh, I was going to say, Jordan and Lauren, who are both the editors on this, um, are always like, hey, we're going to get started on the cover. Do you have any ideas? Like, can you, is there anything you can tell us about this issue that maybe we could draw from, like draw in for a cover. Um, and for this cover, we just wanted like something that was really, it was like bold colors, uh, like a fun classic kind of Deadpool cover that would get people to, you know, catch people's eye and be like, oh, I know that guy, you know, mm. like this is what we're expecting rather than being, rather than busting out like big body horror to start with. <laughs> um, but you know, I think for me, I'm just like they're always just like, hey, what do you, what, what do you think would be interesting for a cover? And I'll throw out some ideas, and I'll be like, here's what I'm thinking. But also, the artist has something they'd rather draw or like some, a better idea. Absolutely, go for that. You do not have to use this at all. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's nice to just be like, here's, here's the info I can give you. If it's helpful, and if not, don't worry about it. And it's funny because, you know, I'm looking at all the vari various variant covers, and one of them that caught my eye the most was the Notorious B.I.G. variant, which I'm like Tom Hanks and Big. I don't get it, but I appreciate it. Like, you know? Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, I always find my um, my involvement in, in covers is it's only, I mean, it's, a, it's only what I've told you, so I'm always... I always get excited when like the solicits come out. I'm like, oh, check out that cover. I had no idea what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and they're always fun um, to see. Like again, you know, with the notorious B.I.G. one, I was like, I don't get it. But again, I think like the like the idea of just seeing like it's so random but cool, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, in regards to other stuff you've done at the House of Ideas, the one that like I love the absolute most is Alligator Loki, and with Alligator Loki, you're working in the Marvel uh, Marvel Unlimited scrolling format. And, you know, 
obviously you're not doing the illustration work, but the writing process of how that's working, like as a writer going with that format, like do you take into consideration the whole format itself and like, okay, we're going to do this. And when you scroll up, blah, 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 like how does that mm-hmm. work? Yeah. So it is a really interesting format because it is so narrow and so long. Um, and um, so the way you have to think about motion is it's entirely vertical. Um, so with Alligator Loki, when I'm writing the scripts, um, sometimes I'll be like, here's just a little panel. And then sometimes I'll be like, and we, here's what's happening. And as we scroll down, we see this, and then this, and then this, and then this, um, revealing more and more and more of this thing. So it, it is built into the way, when I write a script, I'm basically, what my job is, is to tell the artist a story so that they can see it and then create something interesting with that. So my scripts tend to be really narrative like that. Um, so I'll be like, let's play with, I might just be like, let's play with a vertical format. Let's make it a long panel. Or I might, be, I might tell it as if you're looking at it. As you descend, you see this and you see this. And, um, you know, all that good stuff. Um, the artist, uh, Bob Quinn, is incredible. Um, I love, it is a treat to write scripts for Bob. Um, I think that his, uh, his art is just, it's stunning, it's gorgeous. I want to say he was on Knights of X, I think. Um, but he also is really funny. <laughs> mm. So his, uh, his comedic sense of, his comedic sense of timing and like slapstick is, is great. And when I see that somebody is really good at a specific thing, or re- seems to really enjoy drawing something very specific, I'll be like, okay, and then I'll lean harder into that so that they hopefully will get the chance to draw more and more of what they want to draw and what they like. Um, Bob's, Bob's great because he can do it all, um, but it really does it really does feel like a, a match made in heaven, uh, for, for me at least. <laughs> and when it comes to the character of, you know, Alligator Loki... They are by far one of the cutest characters in the Marvel Universe, but also, like, I would never want to touch them, even though I do want to give them the biggest hug, but, you know. Mm-hmm. You'll actually get your hand bit. Like, so cute, though. There's weird little, weird little dumpling alligator. Um, I do kind of want to see an alligator Loki and Jeff the Landshark uh, yes. off. <laughs> um, so... We'll see about that. And we are getting a season two of Alligator Loki, so there will be new Alligator Loki in your very near future. And you know what? Maybe even, too, if this thing really catches on, you're going to be able to own one of those soft and cuddly plush Alligator Loki things you can snuggle with. Which, now in my luck, it'll still bite me. (laughs) (laughs) I would love an Alligator Loki plush. You're so cute. Because you took it outside and dropped it into the mud by accident, so that's how it would bite you, too. That's fair. Yeah, and it couldn't come out in the wash. (laughs) I tell you what, you know, um, just one thing. Um, it's it's a it's a minor point, maybe Alyssa, but with the first issue of Deadpool, it's a bigger one. So, uh, you know, the uh, the cover price is a four ninety nine. Does this go back to you know the standard three ninety nine and then subsequent issues? Do you oh, know? Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. I mean, that's a. I mean, <laughs> that's a really good question. I am not consulted on the pricing, but what I can tell you is um, this one is a little more expensive because it's thirty pages. But after this, we're dropping back down to the, you know, the normal twenty-page Marvel uh, issue, and 
uh, yeah, so <laughs> you, I, we're, we're not, I'm not going to break your bank on this one. Um, and it is me 10 pages less. I love having the extra 10 pages to just play and, like, create really fun story. But there's a lot of very wild stuff you can do with 20, too. So uh, hopefully this will have a great time. <laughs> so, yeah, I knew that the answer was yes. I knew you would know that because you have so many pages you have to submit by whatever deadline. So that's going to dictate, you know, <laughs> okay, it's not going to be as – and that's what, you know, some series like, I don't know, Spider-Man, the – the, de- the decades of Spider-Man, the 60s, 70s, Fantastic Four did it, and they were all at the higher price because there was more info and packed in there and so on and so forth. But, you I'm, know, I'm inquiring di- minds want to know, you Peter, you. I'm just glad the issue number is on the top of the page as opposed to the normal thing. Where well, you're Eddie's gosh gonna- darn right about that. <laughs> Eddie's going to have a grievance again about the bottom. But I digress, ladies and gentlemen. In regards, though, to you know, just the the writing of these kind of characters, like you get to play in the Marvel sandbox and, like, it's still probably one of those things like you pinch yourself and you're just like, oh my God, I'm doing this. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, I joked about this once before, but I, um, I was like, oh, Deadpool. Uh, that's the guy, that's the guy I saw on, like on, on shirts and Hot Topic, right? Like, <laughs> like there's a, there's a, I mean, it's something kind of crazy about that, right? Like you could walk into a Hot Topic at any mall and be like, oh, here's a Deadpool waffle maker. Also, I write that? What? Like, that's crazy. Um, it's really cool getting to play, like you said, in the sandbox, um, knowing that all these things live outside of you in, in a very real way that, you know, that touch all these different people. Like, that's crazy. Um, you're like, oh, for example, it's like, oh, my mom knows about Deadpool because of because of the movies, right? Um, so if I'm like, hey, mom, I'm writing X Y Z, she might be like, oh, okay, I don't know what that is. But if I'm like, hey, mom, I'm writing I'm writing Deadpool, she's like, oh, I saw that. That was a movie, and there's there's something really cool about that, you know. Um, I love that. When it comes to writing the character, do you give him like you know an internal uh, voice for yourself? Like when you're writing the lines out, do you hear it in Ryan Reynolds' voice, or do you give it like you know a different you know person? Yeah. Okay. So this is deranged, but um, I absolutely hear it in Ryan Reynolds' voice. However, uh, it's actually because I'm writing it and because I read all of my dialogue aloud and because it's got my stupid sense of humor, I hear it in this horrible, awful blend of my voice and Ryan Reynolds' voice. It is. It is, it's it's wild, but it's very, that's what Deadpool sounds like in my head. <laughs> I'd like to hear that. Yeah, sure. No, God, no one <laughs> needs to hear that. It's it's too much. Oh, man. That's it. Alyssa Wong, The Uncensored Tapes. Here we go. Oh, God. Uh, I think, though, in reading this issue, though, it is definitely Deadpool speak. Deadpool wordage, verbiage, et cetera. It's, it's spot on. And he's on my um, baseball cap, too, so there. Wait, is that why you wore the hat today? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, you know... Oh, coincidence. It depends on the weather, actually, but, you know... <laughs> and it's funny, too, because, you know, I've been a longtime Deadpool fan, and, like, being able to see, like, the start of a new run and being able to talk to somebody involved with the creation of this kind of stuff, it's cool to see. And it's cool to see where we're going to be going with this, because, again... I'm looking forward to being sad in random parts. Like, that's going to be super fun. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean? It's like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just don't make me cry like Chip Zdarsky made me cry during a Howard the Duck. And I'm not kidding. That really did happen. <laughs> but. Oh, my God. So I'm looking forward. I'll, I'll do my best. We'll see. No promises. No but, promises. 
before we let you get going, Alyssa, first off, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And before we go, also, how can people get a hold of you on them, our social medias? Oh, man. The only social media I use is Twitter. Um, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at Crash Wong. Um, I probably have an Instagram. I've completely forgotten about it. But if I have one, it's probably also Crash Wong. Um, but yeah, hop on Twitter. Say hi. Um, and uh, read Deadpool. I hope you like it. <laughs> Alyssa Wong for Deadpool, now out as of November of 2022. Thank you again. I was going to actually back up and ask how many years you've been in the biz. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm still pretty new, I think. Um, I I want to say my like, Dr. Afro launched in, like, on May 4th, 2020. So I did a little bit of work before that, um, say, like, late 2019 or so. Um, so, yeah, I... I guess that's what three three years. I can count. Math is hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, yeah, about three years. It's funny. I am um, because uh, I started right as like lockdown started happening. Um, I haven't met like anybody. Um, but then I went to New York Comic Con for the first time uh, about a month ago, and I actually finally got to meet all these people I've been working with for the last couple of years, and it was it was great. It was awesome. <laughs> like you're real <laughs> well we hope to also be able to see you out and about too whether it's shows or other things going on too and again congratulations on the work and much continued success thank you so much and to quote a line from the comic book deadpool number one nice needles <laughs> oh man nice needles indeed for the marvelists i'm peter melnick i'm Melissa wong and i'm eddie wilson excelsior